Thanks for tuning in to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that you're blessed and encouraged to walk out the gospel as you hear this message from Pastor Josh Thompson. Man, I'm, I'm so glad to be here today. I believe the Lord's given me something for you. And uh, I wanted to take just a few minutes uh, before I jump into that to just uh, just do a very quick recap of kind of where we were last week. How'd you do with your words this week? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> awesome. Last week we talked about the power and the impact of our words. That the Bible actually says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And that we could also say now because of technology uh, that's all available to us through social media and texting and email that we could say that, that death and life are in the power of the fingers. The death and life are in the power of the thumbs, right? Through our texting and all of that. Not only that through our spoken word, but now through our written word, culture is actually formed. That when we speak something, when we write something, we build something. Every word that comes out of our mouth, we release something, we create something, and we could say we either build up or we tear down. And in our culture where words are flying everywhere, it seems, all the time, we need the wisdom of heaven to know when to speak and what to speak. And because we're believers, uh, we aren't only speaking for ourselves, As followers of Jesus, we're not just speaking for ourselves. When we speak, we're actually representing Jesus, our king, and his kingdom. So in the realest sense, as a Jesus follower, as a kingdom person, my words not only represent me, my words are speaking for him. I remember a while back, some time ago, I was having a discussion with one of my kids about how we talk, and I... It was just kind of addressing how they were talking about someone. And I said, you know, we don't talk like that. I said, that's, that's not how we speak to each other. And I remember my daughter said, you're just saying that because you're a pastor. <laughs> and guys, it was like the Holy Ghost fire came upon me in that moment. Actually, I don't think it was that. I think it was my blood pressure rose. And I said, girl, I'm about to pastor you. And uh, I'm kidding. I don't think I said that. I thought it, though. Um, instead, I said, no, honey, honey, listen, this, this is absolutely nothing to do with me being a pastor, because that would be performance. Like, if I was, like, trying to have you have this code of, like, this is how we act in a pastor's home, that would be about performance. I'm instructing you in this because we're actually Jesus followers, This has everything to do with following Jesus, and this has everything to actually do with us pleasing Jesus with our words, with representing him how we talk and how we treat people, because our words matter, amen? The heart of the message last week, I would say, was really this, that we need the fear of the the Lord on our words. We need the fear of the Lord on our words. It's a day, I believe, for the church to reign in careless words. To live in such a way that we recognize that every, every word we speak is heard by the Lord. That when I'm speaking, he's actually hearing what I'm saying. And there's this deep desire in me that I want to please him with what comes out of my mouth. In our culture, I think we become so careless with words. We see this, we see this in the world, and we actually see it in the church too. We would expect the world to speak like the world, but the church is to speak from a different world. 
The church is, is to speak a different language. And actually, I think we could say that language is Jesus. We speak Jesus. We speak Jesus. We don't lower the standard of our words and become like the world. But as the church, it's our place to raise the standard of words. In other words, we, we're not to sound like the world in the way that we talk. When we start waging war like the world wages war, we lose. As kingdom people, in our words, when we start arguing and we start fighting or we start grumbling or we start complaining or slandering or bickering, whatever the world does, we lose. We lose when we start operating in that same place that the world operates. Church, we're from a different world and we're here to actually bring that world to this world. And one of the major ways we do that is through our words. Through the words that come out of our mouth. Here's a filter that I've used over my life. And it's one of those passages I'll, I'll, I'll share many, many times over the years. But it's Colossians 3.17. And it says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord. So if I can't say it in the name of the Lord, I shouldn't be saying it. <laughs> Smile at me. Come on. <laughs> I saw a wife elbow her husband. It was really powerful. <laughs> if, if we can't speak it in his name, we shouldn't speak it. Because the truth is, is that if my life is his, if it's no longer mine, now I actually speak him. Jesus said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Did you know that your words advertise something? Wherever you go, in any given day, you are advertising. I am advertising something. What's in my heart is being advertised one word at a time. Whenever I speak, I'm actually putting on display what's going on in my heart. Whenever I speak, I'm actually putting on display. I'm actually advertising what I believe. Isn't that a wild way of looking at your words? I'm advertising something. And the more that we advertise something, the more we talk about something, the more it grows. The more it grows. We know this through science that, that the more we think about something, the more it grows, right? Our thought life, we actually build what they call neuropathways through our thoughts. So as we think about something a lot, it actually grows a structure. And I believe that it's actually true with our words, that our words build structures too. Our words create our words determine so much. But when our words are aligned with his words, there is a flow of life and blessing. And when our words are not aligned with his words, the opposite is true. Amen? When I, when I get his word in me, then his word comes out of me. When I get another word in me, that word comes out of me. When, when I get his truth in me, then truth begins to come out of me. Church, we need his word. We need his way. So we know what to say. That rhymed. I'm a poet and I didn't know it. Oh, that's bad. Here's the thing though. <laughs> Thanks for the courtesy laughs. Here's the thing. This all comes through relationship. Like, I'm not here today to tell you, hey, talk like this, don't talk like that, do this, don't do that. That's not what this is about. Our words come into alignment as we are with him in relationship. See, my, my life comes into alignment when I'm in his word and when I'm in his presence. As we are with him, we become more like him. 
The more we are with him, the more I'm in his word, the more I'm spending time in his presence, the more I look like him and the more I talk like him. Have you known that to be true about your life? You see, the heart of all of this is that God wants to be close. It's actually why you're here today. It's why we've gathered, because God wants to be close, and we want to be close to him. And in that closeness, we find every single thing we need for life, and we find everything that we need to live godly as we're with him. And that includes our words. I believe most of the time, we actually don't have a words problem. We don't have a mouth problem. We have a lack of closeness problem. I think most of the time we we don't have a a mouth problem. We have a lack of presence problem. Because when we're present to the presence, our words reflect. When I'm present to his presence, his nearness, it changes how I talk. I wouldn't say things that I would say in other regards. But when I'm present to him and his nearness and his presence is more important than anything to me, then I become aware of him. My words change and they follow. He's looking, I believe, church, for a people that value sweet communion. That value closeness. That value his presence above anything else. And everyone else, because when we are close to him, we look like him. He's looking for a people that want to be close. How many want to be close to him? I know you do. I can see it. I can feel it in the room this morning. So how do we get close to him? I believe Psalm 100 shows us the way. And many of you have this memorized, but I want us to read it together. Psalm 100, verse 4 and 5. It says this. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Can we read that out loud together? Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. See, I've heard it said like this. I don't know who it was. It says, thanksgiving gets me in the gate. And praise gets me in the court. Derek Prince, I read a quote by him recently, and it says this. He said, praise is God's address. It's where he lives. So if you want to be where God lives, you have to offer him praise. (laughs) That's a good word. That's one of the central reasons we spend the time that we do in worship, in praise and worship, because it's his address. It's where he lives. He's enthroned on the praises of his people. And it's not just for our corporate gatherings, although it's very much for that. It's actually for throughout the week and throughout my day. Church, there is so often a pushback. Here, here's where I'm going today. There's so often a pushback against our thanksgiving and our praise. And I believe that the reason for this, the reason that the enemy doesn't want you to voice your thanksgiving and praise is because he knows it's going to bring you into the gates in the very presence of the Lord. And if he can hold that back, man, your life is, is, is a mess. But when you get in there, you come out changed. When you get into that place, everything changes. Your words change. Your attitudes change. Your everything changes because you've been with him. In fact, when you're with him, you are reminded of who you really are. 
When I'm with him, I'm reminded of who he made me to be. And then you start walking in your new creation self. And you start talking with your new creation mouth. Because you're reminded of who you really are as you're with him. You start living your true identity. Because when you're with him, he makes you come alive. When we enter his gates, when we enter his courts... And we behold him, we become like him, and we do this through thanksgiving and praise. I believe with my whole heart this morning, with my whole being, I've experienced this over and over and over and over in my life. There are times when I'm, when I'm not doing well or I'm being grumpy or whatever, my wife will just be like, you need to go be with the Lord. <laughs> right? And then there's sometimes, well, she's never grumpy, but... Um, you know, you can tell when somebody needs to be with the Lord, right? Like there are times you're like, man, I need to get in the presence of the Lord and get a holy alignment again. I need a shift that I can try and work it out here, here, here on this level, but I need to get with him because when I'm with him, I come out looking like him. And I believe this. I think about Psalm 16, 11 says this in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Charity was like preaching my message this morning. Here's the thing. The enemy wants to rob you of your joy. He wants to rob you of pleasure. And he does it by trying to keep you out of the manifest presence of the Lord. Because that's where the joy is. And when you get in that joy, when you get in that presence, discouragement starts breaking off. That depression starts breaking off. That heaviness starts breaking off because it's full of joy in there. Here's the thing. that When we, when we get in that presence, criticalness starts breaking off of us. That self-hatred starts breaking off of us and you become alive. Now, I don't like to talk about the enemy a lot. You'll almost never hear me talk about him because I don't like to get him, give him credit for anything. I think sometimes people give him too much credit for everything. The Bible says that Jesus has all authority. And I believe the truth is, is that the enemy doesn't have any authority except that which we would give him. He, he does, he's not running around with authority over your life. The only authority he has, if we open a door to something, we crack something open, then there can be some authority that comes. But if we're not giving him authority, he, is, he has no authority. And so I just like to talk about the greatness of Jesus and what's available in him. But the truth is, we know through the scripture that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That is his mission. That is his purpose. There's a spiritual battle going on over your life today. There is a spiritual battle going on. And one of the primary ways that he battles with you is to try and keep you out of the presence because he knows that everything that you need is in there. How can he keep you out of the presence? I want to suggest to you today that he does it by trying to silence your thanksgiving. That he he does this by trying to silence your praise. And I'm not talking about just being loud in worship in church. I'm talking about the praise that comes out of you every day. The thanksgiving that comes out of you every day. How does this happen? Through discouragement. Through oppression. Happens through frustration, negativity, hopelessness. And when we start speaking the language of hopelessness and negativity, it keeps us from releasing gratitude and thanksgiving. Come on. 
It's the truth. It keeps us from releasing that. If the enemy can influence us to keep us grumbling and complaining and discouraged and disappointed and full of negativity, then our thanksgiving and our praise is silenced. And when those things are silenced, church, we start speaking that language of discouragement and negativity and it grows. And then we open the door to the enemy's influence in our lives. I, I, I know that this happens all over. I can sense when, when that temptation is there for me to start going down a road where I start kind of grumbling a little bit or I start getting a little negative about something. And I believe, church, that more than ever, there is a battle that is raising, raging against believers to silence our thanksgiving and silence our praise. And that battle is raging to stop the flow of worship coming out of us. Have you ever been discouraged? Liars. All of you. Have you ever been discouraged? Have you ever, ever been depressed? Yeah. Okay, well, we don't want to. I said we wouldn't glorify all that. You're like, yes, I'm depressed right now. Yes. I'm. <laughs> Have you ever hated your spouse? Oh, no. I'm just kidding. Oh, boy, this is going bad. I know discouragement. Okay, let me get it back. I'm bringing it back. Church, I know discouragement. I know what it feels like to be discouraged. I know what that temptation feels like to speak discouraging words, to begin to enter into mindsets of discouragement. I know what it's like to be disappointed. I know what it's like to be tempted to speak that language. I know what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night with anxiety. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to feel what the Bible talks about, the terror of night that comes. I know what that's like. I've experienced that firsthand. I don't say any of what I'm saying lightly. But I also know what it is like and have learned what it is to sit up at 3 in the morning and begin to war against that with the opposite spirit and begin to release praise when I did not feel like it. And begin to enter his gates with thanksgiving. And begin to enter his courts with praise. And all of a sudden that atmosphere would shift. Even if nothing shifted on the outside. Inside everything shifted. Because I knew it was the only way through. And I, and I also know that it's what it's like to need to be reminded of it again and again. Have you ever been really clear on that? And you're like, man, I know how to do this. And then you forgot. I think some of us have known how to do this. And I feel like the Lord was like, there's people that forgot how to war through in praise. And I want to remind you today what it is to war through. I'm a big believer in spirit-filled, trained, counseling, doctors, and licensed people, believers, you know, they help so many people. I'm, I'm such a big believer in that. I recommend people to go to counseling and all of that. Proverbs says in the abundance of counselors, there's safety, there's victory. I believe that it's a very, there's a very strategic place for Christian counseling. But I want to tell you, church, today, for the purposes of what I hear the Lord saying, there is a strategic place to war with our praise. There is a strategic place to war with our praise. Isaiah 61.3 says this, we sang about it this morning. They were stealing all my scriptures. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. 
Church, our praise breaks heaviness. Our praise breaks off despair. It is a spirit of despair. There is a spirit of heaviness. The words and the declarations of our praise to God change atmospheres and shift things in the spirit. The spirit of heaviness has a language. Did you know that? The spirit of heaviness has a language. It's, it's filled with words like, I'm overwhelmed. Have you ever started? It starts out so innocently, doesn't it? I, I've like entered into that one recently. There's this moments like, oh, I'm overwhelmed. I'm over. Then you say it. Then you say it a second time. Then you say it a third time. Before you know it, you're like, you need to take a nap. You know what I mean? Like, it, that's how that starts. That, 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 those words, like that language of heaviness is, I'm never going to get through this. That's the language. Things are never going to change. And then that spirit of heaviness just keeps coming. Like there's no hope. It's that hopeless language. I'm in this all alone. This is never going never gonna to change for me. Nobody sees me. Nobody loves me. And all of a sudden that language begins to get spoken through us. Church, I want to tell you this. Praise has a language too. <laughs> and, it, and it's full of words like my God is so big. My God is so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. That's a song. (laughs) It's filled with words like, the Lord is my rock. The Lord is my defender. He's my shield. He's my strength. He's my fortress. I'll call upon the name of the Lord and I will be saved from my enemies. That's the language of praise. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. These are the, this is the language of praise. I bless the Lord at all times. His praise is going to continually come from my mouth. Church, let the praises of God be in our mouths. It's so interesting. When I got here this morning, there was a, a little piece of mail that was in my box, and I, it was a, a little note, and I opened it. It was just this sweet thank you note that wasn't even signed from a visitor from last week, and they were encouraging me in how they felt the Lord so strong here. And they said at the end, they said, I feel like the Lord says to remind you today that your praise is your weapon. I felt like that was a confirmation this morning to the message. Praise is our weapon, church. It's such a simple thing. Some of you are probably disappointed at how simple this message is, but I'm telling you, I believe he's calling us back to remember what he said in this regard. Because the enemy wants to silence your thanks and silence your praise. Psalm 42, verse 5 says this. It says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The psalmist in this this chapter, chapter 42, he repeats this cry actually three times in the whole chapter. And what he's doing is he's challenging his soul. He's refusing to surrender to his feelings. He's refusing to surrender to the turmoil that is indeed going on inside of him. He's challenged that what's going on inside of him, he's challenging it and he's bringing it before the Lord and he's saying, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. 
If you read the whole psalm, and you should, there were legit reasons that he had for discouragement. These weren't made up things. They were legit. He was experiencing the taunting of, of, of unbelievers. They were saying to him, hey, where's your God? Where's your God? They were, he was having memories of better days. Have you ever thought back to days and thought, oh, it was going to be different than it is? That's what this guy was experiencing. He was, he was remembering the highs of life. He was remembering those spiritual mountaintops thinking, man, that's not what I'm experiencing now. The trials of life. He was thinking about the seemingly slow response of God. <laughs> All through that psalm, these weren't made up things. They were real. But in his discouragement, he had to speak to himself. He had to speak to himself. How many know sometimes we have to speak to ourselves? How many know sometimes we got to actually full out preach to ourselves? You know what I mean? Like sometimes it gets to that place. You got to get in front of the mirror and you're like, I am preaching to you. Okay, some of you will try that tonight. Do it. Just make sure you're alone. It's weird if somebody walks in. (laughs) He didn't feel full of thanksgiving. He didn't feel like praising He was seemingly, honestly, on the verge of a full-out depression. But sometimes you have to speak to yourself. You have to say, hold on a minute, Josh Thompson. Hold on a minute. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God right in the middle of all that's going on. And I'm not talking about pretending that things are not, that, that, that are not good are not happening. I am not into fantasy, weird, name it, claim it stuff. That I'm, that's not what I'm talking about at all. We got to be real about what's going on. I'm not talking about some self-help activity. But what I am talking about is a redirecting of our affections and our soul in our spirit to get in alignment with what's the truth. Because in the midst of what is true going on in your life, you got to find the truth. saying put your hope in God in the midst of it all put your hope in God for I shall again praise you I shall again praise you I will enter your gates with thanksgiving I will enter your courts with praise church our words are powerful our praise is powerful and it is a weapon it is a weapon the psalmist speaks this three times in this chapter it's not a one-time speaking Sometimes I think we, we, can, we, we get a truth or a revelation, we speak it, and then we think everything should magically be better forever. It's not true. Sometimes you've got to war with it. You've got to keep bringing yourself back into alignment over and over and over again. Have you experienced that before? You've got to bring back the truth in the midst of what's true. With his word, he did that. What is the truth in the middle of what's true that's going around you? And then you speak that truth out. You see, all those discouraging things that he was talking about in that psalm were actually true. That's why we can't live in fantasy land and pretend. It's true that those things were going on, but the psalmist had to fight to declare the higher truth. Sometimes we have to fight to declare the higher truth in the middle of what's true and what's going on. It's true that this or that is a mess, but what's the truth? Because that's why we need the word of the Lord every day over our lives so that we can align with that word. 
See, the enemy will try and get you to turn your mouth against yourself. I think it's one of his favorite things to do. But I'm just going to tell you, we got to refuse it. You got the power in you, if you're a believer, to refuse and tell your mouth to get in alignment with what the Lord says is true about you and refuse to let it turn against you. Our self-talk, I believe, is as important as our people talk. And here's why. Because how you talk to yourself is going to determine how you talk to others. Most people that are super critical, most people that are super judgmental are just super critical and judgmental of themselves. Most people that talk nasty to people are just really feeling nasty about themselves. Most people that speak discouraging words are just so discouraged inside. Church, the the Bible says that God is enthroned on the praises of his people. And I I listen, listen to things here and there, and so sometimes I don't write down who said it. Somebody else said it besides me. They said this. If God is enthroned on our praises, who's enthroned on our grumbling? If God is enthroned on our praises, who's enthroned on our complaining? If God is enthroned on our praises, who is being enthroned on our negativity? If God is enthroned on our praises, who's being enthroned on our words? Church, that's a question we have to ask ourselves on a daily basis. Who's being enthroned today on my words? Who's being exalted with my words? And here's the thing. This is what I want to tell you. I believe this, church, with all my heart for us today. And this is a key. that thanksgiving and the praises that come from our lips are more important right now than we could ever imagine. The thanksgiving and the praises that continually are to come from our lips are more important than we could ever have imagined because they give us entrance to the gates and the courts of the Lord. I'm going to close in just a second so it'll help me really